0: Holy Spirit, um, you were there at the beginning of creation, hovering. This is the Spirit of God, hovered over the waters. The same word is like a, a, a mother bird, like, like over her, her brood. Uh, and now, fast forward all these years, you're here with us. So I ask you to speak this morning and reveal the glory of Jesus. All right, here's the scripture reading for today. I want you to listen, and then we're actually going to give you a couple minutes to talk about it right after I read it. Okay, so now you really got to pay attention so that you have something intelligible to say if you feel led. Okay, all right. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth. Beth Phage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. All right. Uh, What does this tell you about God? Or what stood out to you as you heard this passage read? Okay. Two minutes. All right. So this week, uh, if you've followed college basketball at all, March Madness Tournament's wrapped up. And uh, I grew up in Connecticut, and so the UConn women made it to the final. Didn't complete the 12th championship run, but had a good run. And, uh, you know, if you watched Monday night, the Kansas team uh, came back from 16 points down to beat UNC. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know this, but I guess there's a montage that Keith pointed out to me, uh, set to this corny song from the 80s. What's the name of the song? One Thank you, One Shining Moment. So I Googled that this week and kind of watched this montage of the men's tournament. And uh, you know, for, I believe, it used to be 63 teams, now it's 67 teams, it ended in Disappointment. Right, and so obviously along the way, there's there's highs, there's lows, but you know only one team makes it to be the champion and doesn't experience the agony of defeat. For everybody else, oh, bummer. You know, it's a lot of loss there. Of course, a lot of fun, and it's a game. But it's in some ways, it's it's a picture of life. Life is full of ups and downs. It's it's full of uh, you know surprises, both good and bad, uh, tragedy. Loss, celebration, new jobs, job searches. I mean, just life's full of that. It's, it's this microcosm of, you know, what we often experience in life. And we just read this passage about Jesus. And it's such a funny, it's such a funny part of the story. Because less than a week later, there will be another crowd gathered yelling, crucify him. Refusing uh, for him to be let go, and instead wanting a, a murderer or insurrectionist to be released instead, and condemning an innocent man. Now, Jesus knows where this is headed, and so for him emotionally, you know, I can imagine this is, this is kind of a mixed experience. Now, we don't know that those two crowds were the same, doesn't tell us, you know, who was there. I kind of like to assume that they are, they're different groups. Uh, one is more of a mob that was assembled by some religious leaders to try to get things to go their way. And, but what we know also is that the crowds were not always really like with Jesus. Sometimes they were just looking for a free meal. And when he started saying hard things, they, they all just dispersed. So this is, a, this is a mixed moment for Jesus. This is, this is not quite a mountaintop, although maybe it feels like it. Now, we've been going through the story of Joseph, and we're, we're kind of sticking with that theme for the next two Sundays. I'm going to read a little section from that today. Obviously, in the life of Joseph, there's, there's a, a really long valley in his life. And then what seems like a mountaintop, when he gets out of prison, and now he's like the second in command of the most powerful empire in that region of the world. But still, actually, the lowest valley was still to come, as we talked about. The hardest and most important part of his story was still ahead of him in the forgiveness of his brothers and the reconciliation of his family. Now, his appointment in this physical realm, right, that we talked about, that brought salvation to the nations in the sense of That provided the food for people to survive, but the real salvation was that Joseph did not turn around and and take revenge on his brothers and end the line of the promised family, which is where Jesus came from, Joseph's brother, Judah. And that's what we're talking about today. In in Genesis 49, we're only going to read a couple verses from this, but it's at the end of Jacob's life, he's about to die, and he assembles his whole family to bless his children, And if you read through this chapter, uh, there's some pretty funny blessings in there. Because some of them are more like a curse, uh, and some of them are just very short and seem almost insignificant. But for one of the brothers, Judah, this is what it said. It says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Now you're talking about like 2000 BC or something crazy like that. Maybe further back, I probably should have dated that, but this is a long time ago. Jacob is speaking through the Holy Spirit and prophesying that his son Judah, out of him, is going to become this line of kings, this scepter which we obviously know happens, the first of those being King David. And then through David's descendants, we read through the Old Testament, all these different kings come. But none of them fulfill the promise to be a blessing to all the nations. And Matthew, this gospel we read from this morning, makes a really important point at the beginning of his gospel that Jesus is this long-awaited king when he goes through this long list of names at the beginning of his gospel. Say that Jesus is this one. Now, this blessing that that Jacob gives to Judah, man, rock on. Yeah, I'll receive that blessing. Yeah, scepter never depart, obedience of the nations. I mean, it's like all good. It's like all the glory. In our lives, God has a destiny for us. And usually when he's speaking that, man, that's, that's the good stuff. It's the Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Here you are. You're anointed. This is the calling on your life. I love you. I'm with you. This is your destiny. As we've seen in the life of Joseph, and now we are going to be living this week in Holy Week, you have to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. There's, there's no other way as a follower of Jesus. The fulfilling of your destiny, right, it requires the death of the dreamer. We talked about it with Joseph. Now, maybe, maybe this is just silly to be preaching this because we've all gone through a death these past two years of just the normal trials of life multiplied by this pandemic and the loss all the losses that are summed up in that and so you maybe you know that really well right now but you have to understand that God is working through all of those deaths all of those little losses all the griefs God is working through those things The challenge for us is that when we're in the valley, to not lose sight of the mountaintop, the promises of God in our life, the destiny and calling that He's placed on us. So, Jesus, in going to the cross, is not letting go of this Palm Sunday moment because it's a foretaste of what's to come, even though it feels like it's been erased in the suffering that he's going to endure. So there's a, there's, a, there's a calling to believe. Whatever sense that you have of what God has called you to do, maybe you're, you're, you're really just figuring that out right now. There's a holding on to that moment. Those things that God has spoken that are going to enable us to make it through the valley. To see kind of that mountaintop later on. Now, there's two things that I want to mention today that are really important um, to make it through the valley. Psalm 23, many of you are very familiar with that. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's a pretty big statement. Now, David, we don't know when he wrote that. I would like to imagine it was as he's on the run from King Saul, uh, chasing him down, trying to kill him with a large army. He has uh, had to flee, and he's not been with his wife for a very long period of time. Uh, you know, hiding under rocks and in caves. So he's in this valley of the shadow of death. The, the, the shadow of death is constantly, he's under that. Meaning his life is threatened at every turn. There's death who is blocking the sun and he is in the shadow. And he says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. There's one thing God's been highlighting for us this year. It's that statement right there. Lord is with you. Jesus is with you. And as we move towards Easter... Uh, the message of the gospel is really simple. It's that Jesus is alive and He's with you. He wants you to follow Him. Palm Sunday, great celebration right after the Passion Week begins. Joseph, favored son. Here's this beautiful coat. He has a dream. All these other sheaves of wheat are going to bow down. Even the sun and the moon, all the stars are going to bow down. Become a slave. Falsely accused. Go to prison. We got to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. Whatever that mountaintop may be. But the way through is to know, yes, God has a calling on my life, and He's with me in the midst of this because He's alive. God's pushing this on us, guys. I mean, not in some kind of forceful way, but but there's been a lot of repetition. Maybe it's because I don't have any creative thoughts. Maybe it's the Lord. I used to wonder, you know, what was the big deal about the resurrection? Because in the tradition that I grew up in, it was all about the crucifixion. And and of course, I'm not taking anything away from that, right? Jesus had to experience that death. But Paul says, if Jesus is not raised, our faith is futile. And we're we're, we're to be pitied most among men. Because what he knows is this, as a follower of Jesus, he will experience death. He will experience death all throughout his life. And at the end, he will die. And that is what he experienced. And so if Jesus is not alive and he's not with me, then this is just, we should just be the most pitied among men. Because if we are hating our lives to love Jesus and he's not alive and with us through this, then then this just turns into a big pity party and we're, we're we're wasting our time in our lives. Christianity is about a person. It's not a message. It's not primarily just a way of life, although it leads to that and is both of those things. It is about a person named Jesus who's alive. He's alive. And he's with us. As we think about Easter, that is what we're celebrating. Not just, yes, he conquered death. Yes, he died and dealt with sin. Yes, that released His broken body, the brokenness of the body of God released forgiveness and redemption for this whole creation and all of us. But he is alive and he's with me today. He's a living person who's still got the wounds in his hands and in his feet and in his side. Um... I went down to uh, Waltham, our sister church in Waltham, this Friday night to attend Delta Youth. And so it's the youth group for uh, two of our churches down there and a number of kids from a number of other churches. And I preached a really similar message actually today, just that Jesus is alive. He wants you to follow him. And then I had them just stop at the end and... um, just ask them the simple question where is Jesus? Where is He? It's an interesting question to think about. And they came up with a number of different answers. Well, he's everywhere, He's in my heart, um, He's seated at the right hand of the Father, it says in the Bible. Um, I, um, my daughter is just drawing pictures this morning. And she handed me this one. It's probably hard to see, especially if you're viewing at home there. Um, but this is her. And then there's this person in yellow. It's hard to see because it's yellow. You know how that is on white paper. Um, and she handed it to me and say, God is with you. Yeah. She's been listening to the messages, I think. Except she's encompassed, so it's kind of hard to do. So I want you to pause right now. And I want you to ask that question. And I just want to say, Jesus, one thing I want to say is that Jesus has a body. Right? So if he was in this room, where would that body be? I'm going to give you one minute of silence to ask Jesus, where are you in this room? And then I want you to share that around your table. What did you see? Okay. Maybe you won't see anything, but just trust the Holy Spirit It's going to show you what Jesus is doing in this room right now. All right? You got one minute? Then you can share your tables, and then we'll sing in a a few minutes.